You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. We're finishing up our series on great delight this morning. We looked at Jesus being anointed when he was baptized and how the Holy Spirit came down as a dove, and God spoke from heaven saying, This is my Son, in whom I take great delight. That Jesus was faithful, the perfect faithful Son, who brought His Father joy and delight from the very beginning of His ministry, and throughout His whole life in ministry, and even His death on the cross, Jesus was the faithful Son who put a smile on His Father's face. And last week we looked at, immediately after his baptism, he went into the wilderness to be tempted. And where mankind and the story of Israel in the Old Testament and every single one of us, when we're tempted, we fail. When we're tempted, we mess up. When we're tempted, we succumb to the things we want for ourselves. But Jesus, in his faithfulness, passed through the temptations and again, Made his father proud, we could say. That's the way it's done. That's what I'm looking for. Somebody who relies on me and on my word and on my scripture and on my truth and doesn't try to get what they want on their own. Who can stand against the temptations of Satan and stand strong. And in that moment, again, it's not necessarily vocalized, but the angels come and attend him and we see that I mean, I infer very strongly that God says, "Ah, again, in you I take great delight. Whenever we stand up to temptations, God enjoys that. And that should be our motivation. Why should I hold out and be strong when it's not easy? Well, because God's watching. And not just watching to punish, but He's watching eagerly saying, come on, you can do it. And when I come through the other side, that's my boy. That's my child. In him I take great delight. And now we see the next story in the book of Matthew. So we go from baptism to temptation. And now he calls the first disciples. And Jesus is, of course, perfect. He always perfectly gives his father great delight. Again, us, not so much. Humanity's been at this for a long time. It didn't take us very long in the garden to stop giving God great delight. I mean, in the garden, God walked in the garden in the evening with His newly created people who gave Him delight. I mean, why would God walk in the garden with them if He didn't enjoy them? Adam and Eve gave God great delight, but then they messed up and brought great disappointment and heartache and pain and suffering. Not that God, you know, hated them by any means. God showed more grace to them, but oh, it created a rift. And that rift has been present ever since. But Jesus comes and shows us what it's like again. This is what it looks like to be faithful to God, to give Him great delight again, to have this perfect, wonderful relationship. And then He does something interesting. He calls people to follow Him. He calls his first disciples. And Peter, Andrew, James, and John, those fishermen out in the boat, 
They're not perfect. Goodness, they, they're gonna, we're going to see plenty of mess-ups, by especially Peter, as we keep on reading. I mean, we've got a long way to go in Matthew, and we've already covered Mark and Luke, but, I mean, Peter has his problems. <laughs> He's a person. And I love Peter because, like, well, he reminds me of me. He makes mistakes. Big ones. But you know what he did that day? When Jesus said, follow me, Peter and his brother and then James and John too got out of their boats and followed Jesus. And despite all the stuff that Peter had already done in his life and messed up, which judging by the rest of his life, I kind of think he probably had, it wasn't his first time to make a mistake, you know, when he was with Jesus. He had made plenty. And the other ones too. I mean, they had had that rift, had that divide. But in that moment, when they follow Jesus, I think God looks and says, hmm, those are my boys too. The great delight that God puts on Jesus extends to those who follow him. The very fact that they join Jesus, they share in, his great del- in the great delight he brings his father. Uh, I was trying to think of a Example, and actually, uh, is she here this morning, Shelby Rambo? Uh, she's the drum major next year for Winsboro Band. Awesome honor and opportunity and things she gets to do next year. And I know that Judith was a little bit proud of her when they announced that she was going to be the drum major. That gave you some great delight, I think, Judith. <laughs> to say, ah, that's my girl, that's my granddaughter. And it gives a great delight. And she's going to take great delight every time she goes to a ball game and sees Shelby, you know, being the drum major. But you know what? If Shelby was up there being the drum major and my kids were not listening or paying attention or watching and just running all over the field being crazy, like, that would put a damper on it because my kids are in the band too. So if uh, if they don't do what they're supposed to do following the drum major, it kind of looked a little bit bad on Shelby even. Like, but you know what? If they do their job, if they follow the lead of Shelby whenever she's being the drum major and leading the band, not only will Shelby bring Judith great delight, but the whole band will bring Judith great delight because they'll be following Shelby. The whole, you know, everything going on in that moment, all of it will put a smile on her face because it'll be the way it should be. This is the way I intended it. This is the way, you know... It should work. And whenever God looked at Jesus and his followers, his disciples, first these four men, but then, of course, the 12 apostles, but then the disciples numbering beyond that, when they're walking behind Jesus, Jesus is, of course, giving his Father great delight, but every single one of them, just by being there and following in his footsteps, being faithful, not giving up, Making a mistake here and there, but you know what? Getting back up and trying again. It brought God great delight. It made God happy not only with the Son of God, Jesus, but all the sons and daughters who join Him. And we get, so we get great delight. Yeah, I mess up. And I'm, I mess up big. And I messed up before, and I'm probably going to mess up again. I know I'm going to mess up again. 
unless I die right now, then I might have a chance. But barring that, I'm going to mess up in a few minutes again. I'm going to make mistakes. But if I'm following Jesus, I share in the great delight that Jesus gets from God. It's mine to experience and enjoy too. God doesn't just look and see Colby. He says, Colby's following Jesus. Good job, Colby. Way to go. Keep it up. That's my boy. And I hope we sense that and, and find encouragement in that. Whenever we join Jesus, we experience our Father's great delight. And in this story, we see the original invitation. No, I offer an invitation at the end of my lessons because, well, I was raised and taught and educated Church of Christ, and it's one of the things we do. It's not bad to make sure everybody knows how this is how we follow Jesus, to get baptized. And so we stand and we sing at the end of the sermon because that's what we do. And not that we have to do it that way, but it's our custom. And once or twice I've tried to change a little bit and tell you what, it's kind of uncomfortable seeing everybody, do I stand or, you know, what's going on here if it's not quite done like we're used to, because we're creatures of habit. But the invitation itself is really good. Sometimes I think we don't focus on it as purely as we should. We make it just another thing to do in our worship service to move on to the next part. I don't like that. But inherently, telling people, we follow Jesus, won't you follow him too, is wonderful. And we follow him into baptism. But the original invitation, I mean, baptism's yet to come. Of course, we're going to get to that in the book of Acts and later on. But the very original invitation was very simple. Two words. Follow me. And really, unless we hear those words, our baptism doesn't mean anything anyway. That invitation lays the groundwork for the later invitation that Peter makes on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And we do that, and I hope we do that, and I hope we preach that and hold on to that. But let's not forget the first invitation the one that actually gives that second one meaning, and that is, do you want to follow Jesus? It's not just about getting baptized going to heaven. Sometimes we unfortunately minimize it to pretty much be, we want to go to heaven, all right, get baptized, all right, going to heaven, you're good. The question really is, do you want to follow Jesus? And if you do, heaven's a part of it. Absolutely. And if you do, being baptized is the way that we begin because Jesus isn't here physically to follow, so we follow him in baptism to start our new life, walking by faith, knowing that we can't literally follow in his footsteps because he's not here. He's ascended up into heaven, but he is now living within us. And so they're all connected. But I don't just want to preach, get baptized, and go to heaven. I want to preach, do you know this guy, Jesus? He wants you to follow. 
follow him in this life and the life to come. And that begins with a new birth. But do you want to follow? And if you don't want to follow, then none of this other stuff really will matter anyway. You have to want to follow. The original invitation, follow me. And the amazing thing is, they did. These fishermen got up out of their boats, left everything behind, and followed. And again, they made lots of mistakes, but that's one thing they did right. And I'm going to make lots of mistakes. But I hope, I plan on, I'm living my life with the expectation of, well, Colby, here's your rap sheet of all the stuff you did wrong. <laughs> but you know what you did do? You followed. You might have stumbled a lot, got distracted, wandered off the path, but you came back to it. You kept following. You kept recentering yourself on Jesus. And Jesus kept... I need to be told, follow me more than once, by the way. And Jesus has, thankfully, told me, follow me multiple times. Every day, I need to hear it. And if I turn to Scripture and let God speak through it, I, I will. Follow me. I can do that part right, because that's the part that matters the most. Are you going to follow Jesus? Because it's the original invitation. The one that the early apostles responded to, and I still want to respond to. I don't want to leave this invitation behind and only preach baptism. Like, oh, let's follow, let's put Jesus at the center of him where all belong, where he belongs. The reason why we get baptized is to follow Jesus. He got baptized, I'll follow him into the waters. And I've fallen back out of the waters, forgiven, made whole, cleansed. But all of it is following Jesus. And in this passage, not only do we see this original invitation, this beautiful call, this powerful call, we also see the original gospel. And when we respond to the original invitation, that makes our God happy. The great delight again, that Jesus had, we share in when we follow Jesus. And as Jesus preached the original gospel, as I proclaim it too, gives God great delight. And what was the original gospel? What was the original good news? Jesus doesn't talk about heaven. I believe heaven is a part of it. But the original core gospel upon which everything else is built, we could even argue, I, I think of the doctrine of heaven is not the main part of the gospel. It is a part of the gospel because the main part of the gospel is what Jesus preached when he preached the gospel. Chapter 4, verse 23. After he calls... Peter, Andrew, James, and John out of the boats, and they follow. The very next verse, Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. What's the gospel? We're told. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. 
which includes heaven. Heaven is definitely a part of the gospel of kingdom, as we especially understand it now after the cross, after the resurrection, and the promise of resurrection. But that initial message is just pretty simple. All the kingdoms of the world, the way that the world works, its days are numbered. There's a new kingdom that works in a different way. It's God's kingdom, and it's coming. And it's not just in heaven one day waiting for us to finish. It's, it's coming. God is bringing His kingdom into this world through His King, Jesus Christ. That the way this world works, that's broken and sinful and painful and full of heartache and struggle, And death, Jesus says, there's a new kingdom on its way. A new kingdom of which Jesus' followers take part in. And it's not just, well, one day I'm going to be in heaven and that'll be the new kingdom. No, Jesus, the new king, is bringing about the new kingdom. And as his follower, I tap into that. I experience that. I experience eternal life, but I get to taste it now. I experience perfect peace, but I get to experience it now. And I'm still surrounded by death and sickness and sin and dying, but I have life and I have it to the full now. Because the kingdom has come, is coming. The Use this phrase, the world order is changing. From Adam until Jesus, the world order was, we will fail, we will disappoint our God, break His heart, and there will be consequences and punishment because of it. Jesus comes, the world order is changing. You can bring your God great delight. Now. Not just in heaven later, but you can live the kingdom now. Live like we're already in heaven. And that's really what living in the kingdom of God means. It's really what the church is doing. We, as the members of the kingdom of God, we aren't living in this world according to its rules and its standards and how things are run and all of its treachery and corruption and, again, rebellion and sin. We know heaven is coming and we live like we're already there. We worship God like we're already there. We're faithful to His commands and resist temptations like we're already there. Because His kingdom has come and is coming. And we share in that now. So the original gospel isn't, oh, well, one day there might be a kingdom and cross your fingers and hope you get there. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, Jesus says, there's a new kingdom coming. And he infers, I'm its king. Follow me. Live in this kingdom my way. And you will break free of the kingdoms of sin and death and suffering and pain. And what does he go on to do immediately? He heals. He starts putting down the suffering and the pain and the sickness and the death. 
Jesus' king starts to squash it. Because he's bringing a new kingdom. Now, here we are 2,000 years later. They're still suffering sin, sickness, and death. And sometimes I wish Jesus was still here in the flesh and could cast out a demon or heal a paralytic or raise someone from the grave. I haven't seen that yet. But I walk by faith and not by sight. I live like it's already happening. I give, I have put hope in life that conquers death rather than faced with death that I can do nothing about. Death means nothing anymore. And sin is taken care of. And suffering and pain are just become little temporary blips. Because there's a whole new kingdom that's both on its way and in some ways already here whenever we faithfully follow. And that's the original gospel. That's the original invitation. And again, it when we respond to that, God looks at us and says, that's my boy. That's my girl. You're who I created you to be. You're following in the footsteps of the one I sent you to follow to get you closer to me, to be a part of this new kingdom and this new way of doing things. And it puts a smile on God's face. And I'll still stumble, I'll still fall, I'll still make mistakes. But as long as I keep following, get back on that path, find Jesus' footsteps again, and start putting my feet where his feet were, God says, that's okay. You're my boy. You're my girl. You bring me great delight. And now I'm going to offer the invitation. Remember, First one, follow me, gives reason to and gives meaning to and purpose to repent, to be baptized. They're tied together. And if you want to give your father great delight, respond. Give yourself to Jesus. Give yourself to the gospel. Put away the things that stumble and make you fall. And follow our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you want to do that this morning, that's what baptism's for. Well, prayers and encouragement, if you're already following but stumbling, will help you. But um, God wants you to be His great delight. And that's not a pipe dream that'll never happen. No, it can happen. Just follow Jesus. If there's anything we can help you with, won't you come as we stand and sing?